Super Talk Mississippi media production. Welcome into the Friday night after dark edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you so much for making the podcast a part of your day. And I have some explaining to do. I know I have some explaining to do. So here's what happened, though. I was told Wednesday morning that the SEC schedule is coming out today. I was told by somebody that would have an idea of these kind of things, right? Like, it wasn't Greg Sankey himself on the phone calling me up saying, uh, hey, this is going to happen on Wednesday, so get ready. It wasn't quite like that. It was somebody, though, that has told me things in the past that ended up being right. So I figured, you know what? I will record Wednesday's show um, whenever the schedule drops. And Wednesday goes on, and Wednesday goes on, and the schedule didn't drop. But then I saw a quote from Will Muschamp. He was doing a local uh, interview there in South Carolina, and he said on Wednesday afternoon that we expect the schedule today or tomorrow. So I figured, you know what? I could do Wednesday's podcast on Thursday after the schedule drops and then do a regular Friday one. And guess what? That didn't come either. And then we knew for sure, after Mark Keenum was on the Gallo Show this morning, um, on Super Talk, which is, you know, if you if you don't listen to our other radio shows other than uh, the sports show in the afternoon, Gallo does politics and, and whatnot in the morning. And he had Mark Keenum on, the president of Mississippi State, to talk about, like, you know, bringing students back to campus and what that's going to look like and moving day and all that stuff. And Paul just dropped in there like, hey, you know, what about sports? And Mark Keenum said, yeah, well, we're going to get the the teams this afternoon and then the schedule sometime next week. And it was like, wait, 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 hold on. Like, this is big-time news, and Paul just looked right past it because he's not a sports-minded guy. So I waited until after the schedule dropped to record this podcast. It dropped at 5 o'clock, and so I had to wait until I got home from the radio show and was able to put my son down for bed. Now... I'm sitting here talking to you. I've got a beer in my hand, a Mississippi-brewed beer in my hand uh, by Lazy Magnolia. It's uh, Good Bug, I think uh, was what it's called. It's fantastic. Really good summer beer. And I've got the Pelicans on right next to my computer here, which I guess shows that I am a glutton for punishment because watching them try to play defense, that's the thing, though. They don't even try. Watching them not give any effort on defense... Um, is torture. I mean, seriously, it, like if I ever get arrested for something, don't send me to prison. Just make me watch nothing but Pelicans defensive sets for a few days, and, and I will be as remorseful as you could possibly be. So, the schedule dropped. Let's talk. It Well, not the schedule. We're going to get that according to Mark Keenum next week. The release said from the SEC within... Uh, a couple of days, or, or within a couple of weeks. But Mark Keenum said it was going to be uh, this week. Anyway, Ole Miss and the rest of the SEC learned who their two additional opponents are going to be. So let's talk about that. And we're going to start with Ole Miss. Ole Miss, now in the SEC East, is going to play Vanderbilt, who is a permanent opponent who they've already had on the schedule, Florida was also already on the schedule they were supposed to come to Oxford this year. With the SEC's new scheduling model, two additional opponents from the East, they get South Carolina, and they get 
Kentucky. South Carolina will be at home in Oxford, and Ole Miss recently played South Carolina in Oxford, and they have to go to Kentucky. So, big picture thinking. Um, When you talk about draws, and we'll get into the other teams in the league here in a second, outside of the best teams in the conference, as it turned out, um, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, all got more favorable draws than Ole Miss, but from everybody else, among everybody else, Ole Miss got a really favorable draw. You could not have asked for much better than this, considering who you could have added. You could have added Georgia. You could have added Tennessee, who I think is going to be pretty good this year. And uh, when you look at Missouri, I mean, I think you would rather play South Carolina than Missouri. That's just me. But anyway, uh, Kentucky and South Carolina is a really, 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 really good draw for Ole Miss. Uh, You avoided Georgia. Mississippi State got Georgia. You avoided Tennessee, who a lot of people think is going to be improved. Could not have asked for much of a better draw than what Ole Miss got. Now, I wouldn't sleep on either one. I mean, when you're going to look at this new schedule and and go down the schedule and put W's and L's next to teams, and I know you're going to do that. I do that. Everybody does that. Um, Don't sleep on South Carolina. A lot of people, a co-worker of mine, Brian Haydad, thinks they're just going to stink out loud and I mean, maybe they will. It's not like Will Muschamp has just lit the world on fire over there. But he has recruited better than people give him credit for. And I know they lose their two really good running backs in Rico Dowdle and Tavian Feaster. But he's recruited pretty well there. It's not a team that is just completely absent of talent. I really like the quarterback there. It's not going to be an easy game. I think South Carolina is a team and a roster that is kind of comparable to Ole Miss. Ole Miss has better personnel on offense. South Carolina has better personnel on defense. It's a game that's absolutely winnable. Don't get me wrong there. Uh, Absolutely winnable. And uh, I'm really disappointed that fans won't be uh, allowed um, at the game just because uh, I have family and and friends from high school and stuff that that would be there, would be able to come if, if we were allowed to. Uh, But I wouldn't sleep on South Carolina so much. I think it's a game that Ole Miss absolutely can win. It's a team that I think they probably should be better than. But it's certainly not somebody that you can just overlook and put a W next to. Kentucky, a very similar thing. Uh, Mark Stoops has done an exceptional job at Kentucky. I mean, a fantastic, fantastic job at Kentucky. That is not going to be... Uh, somebody that you can sleep on. Especially going on the road, although you know road atmospheres aren't going to be uh, anything what you're used to. But still, Kentucky is uh, a better program under Mark Stoops. But I don't, buy, I don't get the Terry Wilson hype. So he's going to be back healthy this year, and, and people, I mean, just when they talk about Kentucky, it's, oh, well, they get Terry Wilson back, and, and look out for that offense. Now they have a real quarterback, and I, I mean... I don't know about you. I, I see a really good athlete with Terry Wilson. I, I don't see a great quarterback, though, with Terry Wilson, or at least I haven't. I mean, he's a good athlete. He's a big guy. He's he's done some nice things in his career at Kentucky. It's just I'm not as blown away as other people are with him and his ability as a quarterback. So, um, again, Two rosters with South Carolina and Kentucky that Ole Miss has comparable talent to. 
two games that you look at are games that um, Ole Miss can win. They absolutely can win. If Georgia would have popped up on the schedule, I would tell you that, well, that's a game that you go ahead and put an L right there. They're not winning that game. But Kentucky and South Carolina are both people that you can beat. Uh, absolutely people that you can beat. So you could not have asked for a better draw, but it it does not take away. And I'm going to say this a lot uh, in the next 50 days or so before the season begins. I'm going to say this a lot. The favorable draw does not take away from what your expectations should be for this team for this season. I said a few weeks ago, I did a whole podcast about how this should be considered year zero for Lane Kiffin, and even with the, quote, favorable draw, I still believe that because, yes, um, Ole Miss certainly did not get screwed by the league office at all, Um, but Ole Miss was supposed to play Southeast Missouri and UConn and Georgia Southern, and South Carolina and Kentucky are are objectively better than all three of those. Uh, In fact, I think uh, at least Kentucky uh, is more of a toss-up than Baylor, if you can believe that. So uh, they've gotten a really good draw, but I still think with everything that is working against Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss for this season, the no spring, the no real contact in the summer, the two fewer games, the no cupcakes, this should still be looked at as a year where every win is cherished even the ones over Vanderbilt and Arkansas, every win is cherished, and the expectations should be just to be competitive and show up and try to get a season in. I do not think that you should expect this team to go 5-5. Five and five. I, I don't think you should have any kind of like record expectations for this team considering the schedule and what they've been through this summer. I know people don't like to hear that, and I wouldn't either. I mean, I'm having a hard time with my NBA team right now. Zion's not playing. And they keep telling you, well, think about the future. Think about the future. Think about the future. This season doesn't matter. They've they've got young talent and, and just get him healthy and get him ready for later on. And that's frustrating to hear. And it, I want them to win now because I know they can win now. And they're overprotective of their star because they want him to still be good when he's 31. And not just good when he's 21, even though he's still just 20. Same thing here. I know it's frustrating to hear that. That you shouldn't have expectations for this year. That every win should be cherished. That sucks to hear, but I think that principle still applies. However, there are winnable games on Ole Miss's schedule. I'm not saying that you should be okay with them rolling out a 1-9 or a 2-8. and eight. No, there are winnable games on this schedule. But they should all be put into context and... and the season should be viewed in a lens of perspective. Because without it, uh, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Because the schedule is just brutal for everybody. Uh, but an SEC West team playing only SEC East teams outside of their division, that's um, tough. That's really tough. This season is important, though, in some way. Now, there's another line of thinking that, that Ole Miss and fans should have wished for the hardest schedule possible because you get those teams and stuff out of the way in a year where wins and losses really don't matter. The goal is just survival. And I certainly understand uh, where that line of, of thought is coming from. I just have a different one uh, to each their own, of course. I think the season is important, though, um, for a few reasons. 
The first being because of coronavirus. And maybe you just call it a wash in recruiting, and some people are going to do that. But the only way, likely, the only way you're going to be able to sell yourself to recruits is on the phone, on FaceTime, Zoom calls, and what they see when they watch you play on TV. It's easy if you're a new coach at a new place um, to overcome not winning a lot early. To overcome not winning at all, really, early. Because you can bring guys in and they can see your campus and they can see your atmosphere. And Ole Miss has a place that really can sell to people. Uh, I mean, Hugh Freeze jokes aside about paying recruits. I mean, there is an element to what he said, which was, we just need to get guys on campus and they can see that this place is pretty cool. And he was right about that. I I was somebody, uh, certainly not a football player, but I came from out of state. I didn't know anything about Ole Miss. I didn't know anything about Mississippi, really. I mean, I'd never been here until my first college visit. And being there on campus, it drew me to the place. And I didn't know anything about it. So Ole Miss kind of sells itself once you get people there. But the challenge has been getting people there. And now this year, you're likely not going to be able to bring anybody there. So how do you have to show yourself off? You have to be competitive on the field. Ole Miss doesn't have to beat Alabama or LSU or anybody, but I think this draw is a good thing for Ole Miss because it gives them games that they can win and something tangible that they can point to and say, hey, I know you haven't seen our campus, but you've seen us play now. And you know that, one, we can win some of these games, and two, with your help, we can go beat LSU. And they can sell themselves that way. If they're getting smoked every Saturday without being able to bring anybody on campus, that's really going to harm a recruiting class. It's probably only going to be, or or is always going to be harmed no matter what. As we've talked about a few times over the last couple of weeks is what recruiting's done to, or what COVID's done to recruiting at Ole Miss this offseason in particular. So... I think it's important for them to be competitive and play well and to win a handful of games just so they can have something to point to because they can't bring a kid to campus and have him there and you lose the game, but he experience everything and see it with his, and feel it and be around. So you've got to have something to point to. It doesn't have to be eight wins. Hell, it doesn't have to be five, but you have to show that you're competitive. You have to show that there's something that they can join without having to be there to feel it. And so that's just a different line of thinking that I have from other people. I think getting this draw is a great thing for Ole Miss. I think it's really important that they are able to play games that they can win and, of course, win some of these games to show recruits that something good is going on there. And this draw gives them an opportunity to try to close the gap that is going to be left behind with the inability to bring kids onto campus to visit your school. Giving yourself something to sell. A game against South Carolina gives you a better chance to sell something than a game against Georgia. How big of an impact does that have? I don't really know. But I do know that that does matter, or it will matter. Ole Miss being competitive and winning games, if the season goes as planned, of course, um... It matters, and it can really help them and really mean something. So uh, I don't know how much it's going to mean, but I know it can help them. By the way, the podcast is brought to you every week by LBs in Oxford, just across from Kroger on University Avenue. 
Uh, beautiful weather upcoming this weekend. Go by and see Greg tomorrow. They're open seven days a week. So see him on Saturday, see him on Sunday. Low 90s, perfect grilling weather, and LB's is the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. So go by, see Greg, tell him we sent you. That's LB's in Oxford, just across from Kroger on University Avenue. And uh, go by and see them during the week, too. Get one of their daily lunch specials if you're in town. And uh, again, best place to buy your meat. I'm going to do some steaks tomorrow night. Really looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, go see Greg, and uh, let's get back to it. Anyway, that's um, the those are the two opponents. Uh, we'll get the schedule. Mark Keenum said uh, sometime this week, and the schedule um, and where these teams are uh, will matter a lot for uh, Ole Miss and their winning potential. It, you hear a lot of things. Uh, I mean, I've heard that Ole Miss and LSU are going to start the season because that was the day that they were supposed to play anyway, and since the logistics are all figured out, then they're going to go ahead and do that. I mean, there's been chatter Chatter is all it is, and mostly kind of uninformed speculation that it's possible the Egg Bowl would be moved to a different day and not be on or at the end of the season. And uh, look, there's some justification to that. I can't quite figure out why other leagues are doing this other than they just have to find a way to get the games in. But like Ohio State, Michigan, for example, is not at the end of the year anymore. And I, I can't quite figure out why they couldn't find a way to make that happen, but they they chose not to. So the Big Ten didn't put an emphasis on rivalry games at the end. The ACC has very few of them, and the ones they do have within their own league, they didn't really care about putting them at the end. The Pac-12, same thing. The rivalry games are kind of scattered all over the schedule, so uh, maybe you would expect the same thing to happen here in the SEC. I don't know. So I've heard the the rumors and stuff, and there's just no way to, to verify them at all. Um, so I don't know. I, w- I wish I knew. I think the Egg Bowl earlier in the season uh, would be interesting. I think the Egg Bowl to start the season would be fascinating as hell. Um, but you know, there are some people that absolutely need that game to be at the end of the year. They need that game to be the biggest thing in the state of Mississippi and the only thing that matters. Um I think it would probably serve the game some good if it wasn't played at the end of the year. It would probably also serve the the game some good if it wasn't by itself in a time slot, but that's a conversation maybe for a different day. Um, I know some people love the tradition, and this year's going to be a little different anyway. Uh, Once the schedule returns to normal, the game will go back to the end of the year, but um, I think as a one-off, especially when it's not going to be on Thanksgiving if it's at the end of the year and uh, the likelihood of you being able to go is very small, at least right now. Um, the current order in place from the governor says only 25% of stadiums can be full. Now, things can change between now and when the game would get played, but, I mean, we'll see. At best, what, are we going to get to 50% by then? No way of knowing. I think it would serve the game some good to, to not be played at the end of the year and and maybe... Yeah, say this nicely, maybe some people around here will uh, focus their attention on things beyond just the Egg Bowl. Uh, But uh, as you guys know, that's probably a far-fetched idea. I know it's the most important game. I'm not going to be one of those people that tells you that an in-state rivalry should not matter, but um, for far too long, people have only cared about that, not focused on anything else. And maybe in part because it's really all for a long time, all both programs had because neither of them have been very good uh, consistently. But 
Um, and I'm mostly talking about this from a media perspective, and I bet a lot of you probably don't agree with this. I, I just there there are there are some that place too much emphasis on that game. Uh, that that think of it as if it's the only thing that matters, and it shouldn't be that way. If if you want your programs and to to do anything else uh, to elevate at all, you have to put some importance on every on other games too. The Egg Bowl can't be all that matters. You can't have a losing season but win the Egg Bowl and smoke cigars in the locker room and act like just it's the greatest day of all time. You can't have the Egg Bowl um, be the reason and the catalyst that you keep a coach that you know isn't qualified to be the head coach. That game, the importance of that game has to be knocked down a peg. It'll never, never not be as important. Let me start over. It will never not be the most important game on the schedule. But it should not be the only important game on the schedule. And to some people, it is. And that needs to change. And I don't know. We'll see. But I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I'm just amusing Occam's Razor here. If other leagues are not putting an emphasis on their rivalry games, if freaking Ohio State-Michigan is not at the end of the year like it usually is, um, then nobody is uh, uh, immune. No rivalry is immune to um, to that. So anyway, uh, looking at the other uh, matchups, and buddy, this is what I was talking about. So I'm not going to go full, helico- full black helicopter on you, but this is exactly what I was talking about. The SEC, in, instead of doing a model that you just apply across the board to everyone... I told you this was going to happen, and I said the same thing on the radio show, radio show as well. Instead of doing a model that was going to apply to everyone, just fast-forwarding the calendar where you add your next two opponents, everybody gets a home, home and a road game, and you just do it that way. Instead, they decided to go this strength of schedule idea. And now, there are calls of bias. They created... A problem, and I guess they don't really care because they never have cared, but now they've created an illusion that they're biased. And I don't blame people for thinking this way. I mean, could you? If you look at what Alabama and what LSU and what Georgia got, as opposed to everybody else, that tells you all you need to know. This is why people think this way. And so the SEC just created now this, yet again... An illusion, and it may not be an illusion, but they created an illusion that they are biased in favor of the best teams in the league, and they screw over the teams that don't do anything for them, the exception of Ole Miss, apparently. But if you look at this schedule, of I, I said that I called this on the radio show on Monday, or it was either Monday or Tuesday, but I called it. I said, you know that because they're doing the strength of schedule model, Alabama's going to get a break, and somebody else is going to get screwed, and it's going to look like they're biased. And look at what happened. Alabama gets Kentucky and Missouri. LSU gets Vanderbilt and Missouri. Georgia gets Mississippi State, who, with all due respect to Mississippi State fans, uh, the team's probably not going to be very good this year. I've maintained this for a long time. It doesn't mean anything about Mike Leach. It's just it's a new system. They didn't have a summer to really work on it. They don't really have wide receivers 
lost a lot on defense. It's possible that Mississippi State's not a great team, right? And Arkansas, that's what Georgia gets. So the three best teams in the SEC get Kentucky and Missouri and Vanderbilt and Arkansas and Mississippi State. That's what they get. And Florida, by the way, throw Florida in there as well. They get Arkansas too. Because why not? And so all they did was create this illusion that they're biased. And people are calling for it. And I even joked about it on the radio show today. Because of course, of course, Alabama gets Kentucky and Missouri. Alabama avoids Florida. Alabama, that's what happens. Of course, LSU gets freaking Vanderbilt in Missouri. Of course they do. Of course, LSU avoids Georgia. Of course, LSU avoids Tennessee. Now, they got Florida, but that was previously scheduled in the rotation. This was just an unnecessary thing that the league did. It's not at all surprising. I I told you this was coming. And you can say that, well, Alabama's schedule is actually middle in the road. Uh, okay. I, I, and Hey, I'm not going to... I'm not going to disagree with you because as far as wins losses from last year it is statistically accurate but look at what they created now. League offices in Birmingham. Alabama got a schedule break with these two. LSU just won a national championship. They got a schedule break. Georgia's the best team in the SEC East. They got a schedule break. Florida's the next best contender in the SEC East. They got a schedule break. I mean, I mean, what what do you want me to do? I, I have, it, it's just an indefensible thing. How how do you defend the SEC here? Well, look at the look at the scheduling model. They shouldn't have done it this way because now look, it looks like they protected their best teams. That's what it looks like. And there are example, there is example after example after example of leadership in college sports, SEC office and beyond, handling the Alabamas of the world differently than Arkansas, who got Georgia and Florida on their schedule. <laughs> and Vanderbilt got LSU, and Missouri got Alabama in LSU. I mean, they just got absolutely screwed. Absolutely screwed. I mean, poor Arkansas. Their, their athletic director had to issue a statement today basically pre-apologizing for their 0-10 record that's upcoming. I feel terrible for Arkansas. This isn't even year zero for Sam Pittman. This is year negative .5. I mean... How can you expect Sam Pittman to do anything at all with this schedule and with COVID and all that stuff? Arkansas got Georgia and Florida. (laughs) I mean, give me a break. The SEC brought this on themselves, though, and they don't really care because they're just going to keep printing money and everybody's going to fall in line. But I understand why people are mad. I understand why people are calling out bias. I get it. Because, look, I mean, argue against this. I called this. And a lot of you did too, I'm sure. You knew this was coming. Alabama was going to get it easy. The have-nots were going to get screwed. Look at what happened. Alabama, LSU, Georgia, they get it easy. Arkansas, Missouri, Vanderbilt, they get screwed. 
Welcome to the SEC. Looking at it across the league, Auburn, uh, they got a pretty nice draw. Tennessee, people think, is going to be better, but Auburn was already going to play Kentucky, and Georgia's their permanent. They have Tennessee and South Carolina. LSU has the aforementioned Missouri and Vanderbilt because, yeah, they needed some help. Uh, Mississippi State got Vanderbilt in Georgia, so kind of like a a one-for-one deal for Mississippi State. They're absolutely not beating Georgia, but Vanderbilt should be a win for everybody. So not a break for Mississippi State, but at least they get what should be a very easy win uh, combined with that difficult draw having to go to Athens. Texas A&M didn't really catch a break either. They get Florida, uh, who I... Florida's my pick to win the SEC East, but more on that in a later podcast. And Tennessee. Uh... Florida, the aforementioned Gators, get Arkansas and Texas A&M. Georgia gets Mississippi State and Arkansas. Like I mentioned, they got a softball. Kentucky gets Ole Miss and Alabama. Missouri gets Alabama and LSU, like I said. The other opponent for South Carolina next to Ole Miss is Auburn. That's tough. They also have LSU uh, on the schedule this year with the crossover. Their permanent opponent is Texas A&M. Tennessee got A&M and Auburn. Uh, They also play Alabama like they always do when they have Arkansas uh, on the schedule as well. And then Vanderbilt has Ole Miss, A&M, LSU, and Mississippi State. Yikes. Speaking of Arkansas and Vanderbilt, so Bill Bill Connolly does the uh, S&P Plus. Uh, Here's what he said. S&P Plus projects Arkansas as an underdog of at least 8 points in every game and Vanderbilt as an underdog of at least 13 points in every game. He said there's a 10% chance that the SEC has two 0-10 teams. I understand, like, the S&P Plus is a very intricate math formula, so I'm not going to argue with numbers. Uh, I think that percentage is higher. I think it's more likely that both teams go 0-10 then both teams win a game. I think I've said this before. Uh, seriously, I really do. It just that sucks for for Sam Pittman and Arkansas. Uh, I mean, being a first year coach, getting that schedule and inheriting that roster to try to play uh, that schedule with it's um. Excuse me. It's uh, it's not good. Not good at all. But by and large, I mean, back to it. Ole Miss got a break here. They've got, so as you know, everybody in the SEC West, Florida and Vanderbilt already on the schedule, South Carolina and Kentucky. Now, when it comes to the actual schedule, I told you there's a lot of rumor and stuff. I have heard that it's going to be basically a rebuild in the schedule, going to be basically a total rebuild. I don't know how true that's going to be. That would make some sense, though. Uh, just to, to kind of blow it up and start over. I mean, you're adding these opponents to to new teams and having to work the logistics out, so it would make more sense for the schedule to basically be blown up and, and to start over. Um, I don't know if that's going to be true. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see, but that, I'm just relaying something to you that I have heard, is that the schedule is going to be basically reworked in its entirety. So I'll do another one of these, and this is something, by the way, that I'm going to do often uh, with this podcast. It is going to be um, something that I use for like instant reaction. 
So I do a Sunday show, and that's going to continue this year during football season, um, which is supposed to serve as like your first reaction to Saturday's games. But we discuss it all, including Mississippi State, Southern Miss, all around the SEC and beyond. Uh, so on Saturday nights, after Ole Miss's play, uh, Ole Miss plays, and the game's over, I will sit here on this feed and I will record an instant reaction podcast for you. I'll do the same thing after basketball games and the same thing after the Sunday game of a baseball series. If big breaking news happens, um, I'm going to sit down and record, aside from the Monday, Wednesday, Friday times, if it's big time breaking news, and do like instant reaction podcasting there as well. So now this is not going to be an uncommon thing, even though it's Friday night. And uh, God bless you if you're listening to me on a Friday night while uh, the Pelicans stopped sucking tonight. Um, actually, knock on wood, playing a little bit better right now as they're about to enter the fourth. They're uh, they're not dead yet, but they're they're on life support. Uh, that's for sure. So anyway, I'm going to use this podcast feed to uh, to do instant reaction stuff. I want to do Periscopes as well, live podcast recording. I'm going to do that during the season. Uh, Once sports in totality come back with the NFL and stuff, I'll do uh, some some live video stuff, but it would probably be in the mornings, not at night uh, where I'm sitting right now. Uh, So be on on the lookout for that. Uh, Don't forget to reach out to me. Uh, Send me uh, a message. Uh, on Twitter, at Michael Borky, or an email, uh, Borky at supertalk.fm. And I'm look, looking forward to hearing from you. I'd love to hear from you. I got uh, a really nice email uh, from somebody after the uh, um, Pac-12 player uh, podcast that I did a few days ago. I have yet to respond that to that email, and if you're listening today, I'm going to, I promise. It was really well thought out, so I'm, I'm going to make sure I give you a well thought out answer in return. So just reach out to me, guys. I don't mind hearing from you whatsoever. Uh, talk sports, talk Ole Miss, uh, recipes, whatever you want, man. I am uh, I am wide open. Uh, all my channels of communication are open, and I really would like to hear from you. So um, anyway, all right, that's it for me. I, I'm going to go play some Call of Duty Warzone because my son is asleep. My wife uh, is working at an emergency vet clinic, so I've got the house basically to myself. I'm going to pour another beer, and I'm going to die a lot in Warzone. So that's it for me. Thank you for making the podcast a part of your day. Uh, Really thankful for all you guys sticking around with me. Again, apologies for missing Wednesday's show. And I will talk to you again on Monday. For real this time, I promise. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.